I don't know if you picked up on the phrase from the last song, who was and is and is to come. That last part of that phrase, and is to come, is about what today is about. This is the last in a series that we started midsummer, the You Asked For It series. So every message that's been preached, eight out of 10 people that filled out a survey back in February said, we'd like to hear a message on this. This morning, I want to talk to you about the second coming of Christ. Either you don't hear anything about the second coming of Christ in church, or there are some preachers that seem to preach on the second coming like every other week. Why this message and why now? Why did eight out of 10 of you ask for this message? I think that the events of the last few years, the pandemic, kind of feels like we're in a dystopian environment. Did you ever think four years ago, most of the population would be wearing masks in the grocery store or we'd all be working remotely. Just felt weird. The social, economic, and racial upheaval of the last few years, the intense, the temperature feels like at least, that it feels like the temperature has risen dramatically around the world in the last few years. The violence that we've seen, the natural disasters that we've seen, and I think a lot of people have it in the back of their mind, but it's been moving forward. Are we getting closer to the second coming of Christ? What do the end times look like? In one of the churches that I served some years ago, in one of the adult Sunday school classrooms, there was a chart and a timeline that filled one wall and it supposedly had all the events and all the scriptural references leading up to the second coming of Christ. So it was basically a chart saying, this is what the end times look like. And then the climax of the second coming of Christ. It was very impressive. I would like to think that the Bible speaks clearly on this topic. Now, I'm asked a lot of questions as your pastor, and many times, most of the times, I can probably take you to a scripture passage and with some clarity say, you know, I, I think the scripture passage really, really helps you and really speaks to your situation. But when it comes to Bible prophecy, when it comes to the end times, when it comes to the second coming of Christ, the Bible doesn't speak as clearly about all the events that we would like it to, that we want it to. And so we're left with some sense of mystery of we know that Christ will return one day. We have certain snapshots of what end times will look like. But when it comes to the second coming of Christ, at least historically within the church body, the big C church, right? There's not a tremendous amount of disagreement about the placement of certain events. So what I want to do this morning is answer the question about what are the signs of the times, the end times, and 
What does the second coming of Christ look like? We've got a lot of ground to cover. I'm going to answer seven questions. One of the seven questions has six answers. We can do it. You ready? Okay. Number one, how do we know that Jesus is actually going to return to earth one day? John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So how do we know that Jesus is returning again? Because he said so. And I'm taking Jesus' word over everybody else's word. One out of every 30 verses in the Bible mentions the second coming of Christ or the end of time. Out of the 216 chapters in the New Testament, there are over 300 references to the, to the return of Jesus. 23 of the 27 New Testament books mention Jesus' return. And in the Old Testament, Job, Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel all speak to the second coming of Christ, as well as several of the minor prophets. We're doing pretty good. That's question one. Question two, where will Jesus return? Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, after saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching, and they, can, they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into the heavens? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem, where? From the Mount of Olives. So where is Jesus coming back? The same exact place that he ascended into heaven, on top of the Mount of Olives. How many of you have been to Jerusalem? couple people. There's this great famous shot that whenever you're a tourist, they always have you stand on the Mount of Olives and there's always a camel nearby. You can get camel rides for like two bucks a piece, which I've been on it. It's no big deal. And they have the whole tour group standing there and they take a snapshot and off into the distance is the Temple Mount and the Dome of the Rock. When Jesus when the angel was talking to the disciples about that, the disciples were on the Mount of Olives, and in the background was the Temple Mount, just like it is today, 2,000 years later, and the temple complex. Question three, who will see Jesus return? Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, here's what's interesting. When Matthew wrote these words in his gospel, it must have seemed incredible to everyone who read them because they said, there's no way that all the peoples of the earth can see the return of Jesus at the same time. You have your phone with you today? Take out your phone and hold it up. This is it. 
This is how everybody in the world sees Jesus return at the same time. You ever heard of Facebook? Live feeds? Real-time news? Every person in the world can see the return of Jesus at the same time. Question four, when will Jesus return? Matthew 24, 42 and 44. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day the Lord is coming. You must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. No one knows the exact time, date of Jesus' return. But that doesn't stop people from making predictions. How many of you know the name Harold Camping from Family Radio? A couple times, Harold Camping made predictions about when Jesus was going to return. I happened to be in Jerusalem the day that Harold Camping said that Christ was going to return. He said it was going to be sometime in the afternoon. I don't remember what it was. It was a very specific time. And I remember standing in Jerusalem thinking, I got a front row seat. I mean, if Jesus is coming back on the Mount of Olives, I'm here. But sadly, Harold Camping was wrong. Did you know that Jesus said he doesn't even know the time or the date of his return? Now, the important thing about Jesus' return is not when, but are you ready? Because in verse 44 of Matthew 24, Jesus says, you must also be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. So here's how it worked out in my life. When I was a kid, about 11, 12, 13 years old, I mean, those were the hellfire brimstone days. If you were in church back in then, man, man the, preacher, the preacher always had a crooked finger. And whenever he was pointing, it was always at you. Okay? I mean, he just, I mean in seminary, they must have broke it on purpose and said, we're not setting that thing because you've got a life of ministry ahead of you. You know what I'm saying? And so the preacher would walk around and go, the day... Jesus returned, nobody will expect him. So here's what, how it worked out in my little 11, 12-year-old mind. If I expect Jesus to return every single moment, he won't. So I kept thinking, I'm in school all day long. I think Jesus may return. I think Jesus may return. I think Jesus could return right now because he's not going to return if I expect him to return. The bottom line to this is, are you ready for the inevitable return of Jesus? I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the message. Number five, what will happen when Jesus returns? Easy answer, judgment day. Matthew 25, 31 through 33, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Everybody up. Let's go. Everybody up. These two sections move over there. These three sections move over there. If you're here and you're here, you don't have to move at all. Ready? You go over here. You go over here. All right? If you can't move, you're not mobile, just stay exactly right where you're at. Okay? Just scoot over. We're going to do this real quick. If you're online watching, don't you wish you were here? Okay. Now, you're the sheep, you're the goats. Sorry, second service, you'll be the sheep, you'll be the goats. I'm just saying. I got to mix it up. Okay? 
Okay, just real quick question. How many of you know people on the other side? You, you know anybody on this side? You guys know anybody on this side? Just raise your hands. Okay, lots of you, right? Okay, here, here's a question. How many of you have relatives on the other side? You know, maybe you're a teen and you're not sitting with your mom or dad or, you know, you had a fight with your spouse this morning and you're sitting on, you know, don't you wish, don't you wish you wouldn't have this fight now? Just saying. But chances are, some of you have relatives on that side and some of you have relatives on that side. This is exactly what Judgment Day will look like. For some, it will be a day of great celebration. For others, it will be a day of great separation. Okay, you can go back to your seats. Question six, what are the signs of his coming? Here's the meat of the message. Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25, it's known as the Olivet Discourse. Jesus is just a few days away from the cross on Friday, but Jesus is speaking to his disciples on Wednesday of what we would know to be today as Holy Week. So whenever you think about Wednesday of Holy Week, you should be thinking about these words because Jesus devoted a tremendous amount of teaching to his disciples on the Wednesday, just two days before he went to the cross. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, lays the context. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 24 says that Jesus and the disciples were leaving the Temple Mount complex. And as they were leaving, one of the disciples said, Master, look, look at these stones. Look, look at this temple complex. And it was truly marvelous. The temple in the ancient world was known as one of the great marvels, wonders of the ancient world. The Temple Mount itself took one-sixth of the entire landmass of all of Jerusalem. It was built by the madman Herod the Great. It was truly a magnificent sight. And so it was really, it, it would have been pretty natural for the disciples as they were walking out to just kind of look back and go, this is amazing. That's verse 1. Verse 2 Jesus says something that rocks their world. Do you see all these buildings? They will be completely destroyed. And that happened about 40 years later. That prompted the question, uh, what, what, what's going to happen? Like, why is that going to happen? And what are the signs of the end and your return? And in these verses, Jesus gives six signs. Here they are. There will be a rise of false prophets toward the end of time and antichrists who will tell people what they want to hear. You can go to any YouTube channel anywhere in the world and you can hear anything you want. Now, whether it's true or not is a question mark, but there is a rise of false doctrine and there will be a rise of false prophets and antichrists. 
So Wikipedia has a listing of 50 people throughout history who have claimed to be the Messiah. Among them are well-known people like David Koresh. Remember? Branch Davidian. And Sung Young Moon, founder of the Unification Church. What I found interesting is of these 50 people who have publicly claimed to be the Messiah, 42 of them are from the 20th century. One is from the 19th century. One is from the 18th century. Do, do you see the rapid rise of those claiming to be the Messiah? Number two, an increase of wars and rumors of wars. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, Jesus said, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In other words, Jesus is saying part of the signs of the ends of times will be wars and rumors of war. That has always happened throughout the course of human history. What I found fascinating, though, is I went to the United Nations website that deals with violence around the world, and it says this. In 2016, more countries experienced violent conflict than at any point in the last 30 years. Today, crime kills more, far more people than armed conflict. In 2017, almost half a million people across the world were killed in homicides, far surpassing the 89,000 killed in active armed conflicts and the 19,000 killed in terrorist attacks. Currently, homicide rates are climbing at a rate of 4% per year. The 20th century has experienced more death due to wars than in all other centuries combined. Number three, an increase in natural disasters. Matthew 24, 7b and verse 8. There will be famines, Jesus says, and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. According to the World Meteorological Organization, the number of natural disasters has increased by a factor of five over the past 50 years, driven by climate change, more extreme weather, and improved reporting. Four, fourth sign of the end of times before Jesus comes back. Increasing persecution of Christians. Matthew 24, 9. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all, the, all over the world because you are my followers. The numbers I'm about to give you are from 2022, this year. Not completed yet, but this year. There are 360 million Christians living in spaces where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. This year so far, there are 5,898 Christians killed because of their faith. There are 5,110 churches and other Christian buildings that have been attacked. And there are 4,765 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. Here's another one. Increased falling away from Christ and the church. That's called apostasy. And increased selfishness in humanity overall. Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 and 12. 
Jesus said, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. According to a Pew Research paper in 2019, Christianity in America continues to decline at a rapid rate, with many people leaving the church and dropping their identification as Christian. COVID has acted as an accelerator, and there are more people that are falling away from the church. While at the same exact time, so understand this, that Christianity, at least in America, Christianity is on a rapid decline. At the same exact time, the evangelical church is experiencing tremendous internal conflict and strife. How many churches do you know of that got split over COVID? I have a pastor network. I talk to pastors all the time. They're just pulling their hair out. They're like, I got doctors in my congregation that are saying this is a hoax. I've got doctors in my congregation that are saying everybody should be wearing a mask all the time. I mean, what do you do when you got four doctors and two go this way and two go that way? There are some people that don't even acknowledge COVID as a thing. Some of you in this room don't acknowledge COVID as a thing. And you can't understand what the big hoopla is. Do you understand that the evangelical church is just split? And Jesus predicted that there would be a tremendous strife within his church. Consider also 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For many people will love only themselves and their money. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Look at that phrase, they will act religious. This means a rise of spirituality in the world. But just because there's a rise of spirituality doesn't mean it's all centered around Christ. More and more people are homemaking their own religion. It's called syncretism. Syncretism has always been around. But more and more people are saying, well, you know what I think is this, and it's not rooted at all to the Bible. Well, you know, I just believe Christianity has always been founded on Scripture, reason, and tradition. Scripture, reason, and tradition. That's actually the Anglican perspective, Scripture, reason, and tradition. Now, we're Wesleyan in our church, okay, so we're part of the Wesley holiness movement, so we added one, Scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. What's interesting about the moment that we're living in is Scripture, reason, tradition. Of the three, Scripture, reason, tradition, Scripture was always seen as higher than reason and tradition. We are living in an age where Scripture, reason, tradition, and experience, where experience is now above everything else. People will even deny the Word of God because, you know, my experience is People will deny 2,000 years of, human, uh, of Christian history because, you know, today I just feel. Do you see where we're going with this? People are making up their own religious experiences. Jesus predicted it. Another sign of the times, an increased spread of the gospel, which I find to be very ironic. So it feels like the world, you know, if, if you're looking at Jesus, right, the signs of the end, are just kind of, it feels like the world is just kind of spiraling out of control. But in the middle of all this, there's an increased spread of the gospel. 
And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Here's a question. Have you ever asked yourself why Jesus didn't come earlier? Why is Jesus, <clears throat> why is Jesus delaying his return? The answer is found here. The main reason why Jesus has not returned yet is to give time for everybody to have an opportunity to hear about him and respond. That's the answer. Jesus delays because he's so gracious. He wants everybody to have the opportunity to hear about him. According to missionary experts in 1800, 74.5% of the world was not evangelized. So three out of every four people had never heard about Jesus. In 1900, 100 years later, 54.3% of the world had not been evangelized. By the year 2000, it was 28.3%. So you see the trajectory? By 2000, 28.3% of the world was not evangelized. So two-thirds of the world had access to the gospel. But today, the figure hovers around 33%. We actually lost ground in the past 20 years. You would think with all the technology that's available <clears throat> that everybody would be able to hear about Jesus all the time. Because remember, we all have this. Even in remote parts of the world, people have cell phones. But we've actually lost a little bit of ground in the last 20 years about spreading the gospel. I don't know why that is. Maybe it goes back to the point before that says the love of most will grow, will grow cold. And so that means that maybe people have just forgotten the fervor. I'm good, thank you. People have forgotten the fervor of sharing the gospel. And that we're just so content with where we're at at this moment that we just don't see the bigger picture. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just a speculation. We've done pretty good so far, and you've gotten really quiet when we've gotten to the signs of the times. Question seven, and lastly, why should you care about the second coming of Christ? What, what does it matter to you? I think there's two answers. The first is because every single one of us one day is going to give an account before Jesus Christ for the way that we lived our life. I'm back to judgment day. All you sheep over there and all you goats over there. Don't worry, come back second service, I'll swap it. Listen, I'm serious now. One day you will give an account for your life. One day Jesus will say to you, this way, or that way. So, I'm not putting any pressure on you. I'm just letting you know that one day, Jesus is going to ask you this question or a similar question. Why should I let you into my heaven? And what will your answer be? Well, my mom or dad, you know, they were Christians. Nope. Well, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian nation. Nope. The big question that everybody ought to be asking themselves at this moment is, 
Do I really have a vital relationship with Jesus Christ? That's it. Am I walking in obedience to Jesus? Do I have a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, let's just assume for a moment that your answer is yes. I think that leads to another sub-question, which is, well, what should I be doing in the meantime? In this in-between moment? Where I'm, we're waiting for Jesus to return, but he hasn't returned yet. What, what does that look like? What do I do? A long-distance mentor of mine, I have never met him, but I've read most of his books and listened to him for years, is Chuck Swindoll. And Chuck Swindoll now is in his mid-80s, still preaching away every Sunday. And he wrote a book called The Finishing Touch. And I want to share a quote from that book with you. Somebody asked Chuck Swindoll, what, what do you do in the meantime? And his answer is this. You get your act together. You live every day as if it's your last for his glory. You work diligently at your job and in your home as if he's not coming back for another 10 years for his namesake. You shake salt out on every opportunity you get and you shine your light and for sure you remain balanced, cheerful, winsome, stable, anticipating his return each day. Other than that, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm no doomsday prophet. I love you. This is not a message to scare the bejeebers out of you. I think Christians ought to be the happiest people on the planet. I think we ought to be cheerful. I think we ought to be, live a balanced life. I don't think we ought to go to crazydom. You know what I'm saying? I don't think any of us should be standing out on the sidewalk with a big placard, you know, are you ready? I don't think, you know, and, and just like screaming at people and, and hellfire and brimstone. I'm, I, that's not me. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to that. That's just not me. But, but, are you ready? And if you are ready, are you living your life in such a way that it's attracting people to Jesus? You just get the salt shaker out over every opportunity, making people thirsty. Are, are, are you living your life in such a way that people are like, I want what he has? Or people are like, man, they got to get their act together. I'm not suggesting perfection. I'm just saying living a good, healthy, balanced life. Living your life to the utmost as if Jesus is going to return tomorrow, but dealing with things in your own home like you got 10 more years left. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody knows the time. Nobody knows the date. I think there's a second reason why this message matters to me and to you. Probably most of us have people in our life who don't know Jesus. Right? I have people in my family system that are not walking with Jesus. I've got uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews. You, you know what I'm saying. And so, listen. This is your opportunity to tuck this message back in your mind. Maybe you've never heard a message about the second coming of Christ. 
Or maybe you grew up, when I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and I just got scared to death with all these hellfire and brimstone messages, and I don't know what the truth is. What I've shared with you today, everybody agrees on. There's little nuances here and there. Well, you know, is Jesus going to be post-tribulation, pre-tribulation? You know, I don't know. None of that even matters. What matters is, are you ready? What are you doing if you are ready? And who do you know in your sphere of influence that doesn't know Jesus that you can just be the salt shaker? And just, I mean, don't shove it down their throat, but just go be like, hey, if you live your life in such a winsome, cheerful, God-honoring way, eventually the people around you are going to go, I want what he has. I want what she has. Let's stand together. If you know somebody in your family system that doesn't know Jesus and you just want to lift them up in prayer, stand out in the aisle. If you're not sure yourself about where you stand with Christ, you step out of the aisle too. And this is your moment to say, I don't know, but Jesus, I want you in my life. Don't, don't complicate it. Just say, Jesus, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have a relationship with you of any depth or meaning, but I want to know you. Come into my life. It's as simple as that. Let's bow our heads together. One day, our Savior, time will be no more. That's hard for me to comprehend. But there will come an end to time as we know it. And it's going to be a great day for some of celebration. And it will be a very, very difficult day for others because it will be a time of separation. Father, we all have people in our lives who don't know you, and we love them. Help us to do what Chuck Swindoll talked about doing, living a cheerful, winsome, balanced life taking the salt shaker of our lives and just, you know, wherever we can, just making people thirsty for you. From brothers and sisters that are standing out in the aisles because they have people that don't know you in their family system or at work or in their neighborhood, Lord, would you help them to get creative about ways in which they could simply evangelize those people whom they love. For those in this room or online who just have a question mark about their walk with you, give them the courage to just say a big yes to you and you'll help them figure it out from this moment moving forward. Lord, we get so caught up in the here and now. We just want to declare together as your people, we look forward to your day when you will set all things right when you will remake the earth, when we will have unfettered access to you, when we will see you face to face, for those that have spent decades serving you, they will hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, we look forward to that day when we will finally meet you face to face. Nothing to fear, only to rejoice. Lord, as we continue to worship you, help that reality bubble up within us 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.